Well, this evening, if you would, take your Bibles and open them to the book of Luke, if you would. Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter 24. I encourage you, if you can, to look on a Bible if you need to or, or along. We're going to be a little bit more topical tonight than I normally am. I normally like just taking a passage and just dissecting what the passage is saying. But uh, tonight we're going to have a little bit more of a topical message. Hopefully it'll be a help to you as um, you go into your week. Um, I enjoyed, I've been enjoying studying the uh, parables. Somebody asked me, said, Brother Phil, how much longer are you going to be in the parables? I don't know. We might be done. We might have more. So I, I've really enjoyed studying them and uh, going to continue to do that. And as uh, Brother Jeremy said, I encourage you to come on Wednesday nights at 7. We have a good time of prayer prayer request, and then also we, we're looking in the book of First John. We're going to continue looking in First John chapter 2, if you're interested in reading ahead and what we're going to look at this week. But tonight, as we come to Luke uh, 24, and to give you an idea, setting for this passage here, Jesus has already come to earth, he's already been crucified, he's already died, he's been buried, and now he's risen again from the dead. And he's already been risen from the dead, and now uh, he has been seen of his disciples and the people for over 40 days. And uh, many people have seen him. And we come to Luke 24, and when you come to Luke 24, it's the end of the book. But we're also going to see when Jesus is about to ascend back up into heaven. It's about time for him to go back to heaven. And we're going to look at his disciples tonight a little bit. And in Luke 24, beginning in verse number 50, Luke 24... Verse number 50, it says this, And he, being Jesus, led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now tonight I want us to look at this topic. I want us to think about this. If you're like me, I love Sundays. I like Sundays. It's a day we set apart that we go to church. It's a time we get to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ, people that may not look like us, uh, may not be the same from the same places that we're from, but because of our common denominator, because of our common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a great time to get together and just kind of rally yourself spiritually, hopefully to get fed, to get some worship, to get fellowship. It's a great time to do that. But a lot of times, if you're like me, I love Sundays, but Sundays is only one day of the week. Sundays is only one day that I set aside that I'm intentionally for a couple hours each day, a couple hours that day, I'm going to sit aside and I'm really going to focus on my relationship with God. But if you're like me, every one of us is thinking in a few moments, we're going to get through this message. We'll, we'll pray and we'll go home and Lord willing, we'll all be looking at a Monday. It might be the same kind of Monday you're used to. It might be a different kind of Monday. But all of us are going to turn around and say, you know what? Monday is sometimes a little harder to live like Christ than Sundays are. Because Sundays, you're surrounded by Christians. Sundays, you're surrounded by imperfect people, of course. But you know what? We're surrounded by people on Sundays. What do you do when it's not Sunday? How do I still, when I'm living in certain situations and dealing with certain people and pressures and problems. What do, how do I live like Christ when it's not a Sunday? And that's a difficulty I think we all face. And in studying this topic tonight, I want us to look at the disciples after Jesus leaves. 
Because you got to think about the joy they had having Jesus there with them, the miracles they saw him do, the parables they heard him teach. Jesus was crucified. They were very upset about that. But to hear that he resurrected from the dead and then the idea of all that's wonderful to now only he's like, okay, now I'm leaving you. And to think about them to live their life without Christ on earth. How did they live for Christ when Christ wasn't here? And I think we can apply the same thing in our lives. How do we live for Christ when it's not Sunday? How do we do that? Because it's more of a struggle. We'll pray and we'll get into our passage. Lord, I just thank you so much for the day and the time we can be together. Most importantly, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who willingly gave his life, that we might have everlasting life, as you say in your word, life more abundantly, meaning that we can have victory in our life, that we can have joy in our life, we can have peace in our life, we can have guidance, we can have direction in the midst of all our problems that we face. And Lord, as we look at this topic, Lord, may, we, may I not deviate from your word. But Lord, may we just look at your disciples. May we look at other people. And Lord, help us when we leave this building tonight. And if you allow us to live to see the next day and the next week as we go on, between tonight and next Sunday, Lord, may we live for you every bit as much as we are doing right now. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, the disciples are standing there in Luke 24. And in fact, you can get another uh, parallel of this in Acts chapter 7, excuse me, Acts chapter 1. Verses 7 through 11, it talks about how they were standing around and Jesus telling them that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And he goes on about it. And then it says, as he's speaking, he ascended, went back up into heaven. Which, by the way, you talk about an emotional up and down. We all have emotional highs and lows spiritually. I mean, you think about it. Jesus dies, there are emotional lows. Jesus is, re- Jesus is resurrected, emotional high. A spiritual high. Now, Jesus is like, I'm leaving. They're like, wait a minute. We just got you back. What what do you mean you're leaving? And now he's telling them what they have to do whenever he's gone. And I think we can make that in our life. How do me and you, when we walk out that door, how do we, when we walk out that door, still live a life that pleases Christ? How do we live out there the way we honestly try to do in here? In here, it's, it's easy to sing about Christ. And here it's easy to pray or be part of the prayer time. And here it, it's easy to sit back and look at your Bible and, and, and to look along and listen along. And maybe even if you're like me, I hear somebody preach the Lord speaking to me about something else. And I jot a note down and I think about it and I read ahead or I do these different things. But how is it that we can live out there Monday through Saturday the same way we live in here on Sunday? Because I truly believe that's what Christ wants us to do. I don't think Christ wants us to live one way on Sundays and a total different way the rest of the week. And you know, if you're like me, I'll be honest, you say it's just because you're the pastor. Sunday to me is the highlight of my week. I love Sundays. I love the opportunity we already get to have to get together. A couple of weeks ago, I was gone on a Sunday visiting and preaching for a friend down in Florida. I enjoyed preaching and doing that opportunity, but I'll be honest with you, I missed being here. I missed being here. You know why? This is my home. This is my home church. I don't mind and I love the opportunity to minister, but this is where I feel like God wants me to be. I miss my family. I miss my church family. I miss those friends. I miss the chance to meet somebody new that might come in. I really miss that. And I long for that. 
I mean, I enjoyed being away, like I said, and having the opportunity to preach and getting to meet other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's great. But you know what? It wasn't quite the same. And I thank God for the opportunity God gives not just our church, but every church every Sunday to outreach, to preach the gospel, to share Christ and and try to influence people and to see people come to faith in Christ and people draw closer to Christ every weekend. To me, it's a blessing to watch you. You say, Brother Phil, you watch this? Yeah, I do. I try to every now and then. I'll walk in the room and I'll kind of watch everybody, see how they're doing, see them interacting, see them talking, see them preparing, getting things ready, whatever it may be for the service or getting themselves ready. I enjoy watching that because, you know what, like I said, this is the highlight of my week. I enjoy it. This is the time I enjoy seeing us getting ready to worship God today, get themselves ready, get myself ready to worship the Lord. But if you're like me, after Sunday, sometimes I'm a little exhausted, sometimes my mind is spinning, sometimes, you know, I'm just all immediately now, tomorrow is on my brain and what I have to do, maybe the known and unknown, and it can be really exhausting and really easy to lose your focus over what I just got through doing Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But I want us to see some truths, some things that maybe can help us be as focused as we are right now. Because let's just be honest. We're focused more on the Lord right now than more than likely, if we're honest, than will be any other time during this week. I mean, we might take a time and have some prayer, and I think it's good we may take time, and we'll read our Bible, and that's why all that's important to do. But honestly, we're probably more focused on the Lord and our relationship with Christ more today than we are any other day of the week. But what do we do as believers when it's not Sunday? When it's not Sunday. What do we do? What are some things that we can do to help us live for Christ when it's not Sunday? Number one, I want us to see this. What can help us live for Christ when it's not Sunday? Number one is this. Rejoice in your Savior. Rejoice in your Savior. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter number 28. Matthew 28. And again, like I said, when you look at the disciples here, we're talking about after Jesus died and we're looking at the resurrection and pretty soon Jesus is going to ascend and go back to heaven. And in Matthew chapter number 28, in verse number 6 through 8, it says here, Matthew 28, verse number 6, it says, what does the angel say to him? Verse 6 of Matthew 28. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. Now look at verse 8, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. I love all of that right there. We all love Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7 are great. The angel's saying he's, he's here, and, they tell, and the angels tell him what to do. But look at their response in verse 8. They went quickly with fear or a respect and awe, but they also went with great joy. And what did they do? They ran to tell people about what happened. Let me ask you a question. What God gives you individually on a Sunday Whatever it may be. It may be from a sermon. It may be from a Sunday school lesson. It may be from a song. It may be a point of a message that's not even the main focus of the message. Does it give you, when you get whatever God has for you that day, does it give you a desire to go out rejoicing, saying, and want to share what God's done in your life? Hey, God gave me this. 
And I want to rejoice because this is what he's done. I want to tell people about what he's done. I want to share with my family what God spoke to me about today. I want to share with my friends what God spoke to me about. We do this every now and then, not very often. I would like to say we do it more. But if the Lord's blessed you in a sense where you have a family and you're sitting around at lunchtime or you're sitting around with your friends at lunch, you're sitting around with your children, how odd would it be to your children if you looked at them and said, hey, you know what? This is what God spoke to me about today. But they look at you like, well, that's good, Dad. That's wonderful. You okay? Or would there be a common knowledge that they know what? Whenever God gives you something, you so rejoice on God speaking to you and God giving you something and helping you with something that it's not foreign for your children, your family, your friends, your spouse, those other people around you for you to share what Christ gave you. It's kind of like I like asking my kids every now and then, uh, Chloe and Grayson, hey, how was uh, children's church? Oh, it was good. And you know what? I normally get two totally different things, Brother Johnny and Miss Jan. I get... I get Chloe's view, and I get Grayson's view, okay, all right? And it's great, you know, it's great, but here's the thing. They're probably not the same, but they're both excited about whatever it is they got. And think about it. Are you excited about what God gave you this morning in Sunday school? Are you excited what God gave you in morning service? Say, Brother Phil, I wasn't in Sunday school, I wasn't in the morning service then you missed the opportunity for God to speak to you. Just throwing that out there. Now that I made friends, let's keep going, okay? That's the problem. The problem with missing church, the problem with missing Sunday school, the problem with missing Wednesday night, the problem with you missing your Bible reading at home, the problem with you missing your prayer time and your individual time with God isn't that you're letting anybody down. It's that you're telling God, I don't need that blessing. I don't want that blessing. Whenever you have that opportunity, and don't take advantage of it when you have it. I'm not saying when you can't, but when you don't have the opportunity. But these guys, they left. And it says they ran with joy, great joy, and they wanted to tell the disciples what they heard. Let me encourage you, the best way to be a testimony in your family and on your job is to share with joy what God gives you on Sunday. Because I'm telling you, a lot of times what God gives me on Sunday gets me through my week. What I read in my Bible on Tuesday helps get me through my week. What I get on Wednesday nights helps me get through my week. And it's you know, talking about rejoicing in your Savior. And what does it say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says, to have that spirit of rejoicing in your Savior. Sunday school this morning, we just started looking at Romans chapter 5. There is a lot of doctrine and deep what I call meat of the word in Romans chapter 5. I mean deep. It talks about, therefore we are justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, it says that we can stand in this grace that we have. And when we study that, and it says that we should rejoice in that. I forgot the passage of scripture. Forgive me for not writing it down. But what did one of the, uh, I believe Apostle Paul, I believe said, he says, you ought to rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in heaven that you ought to rejoice you know there's a lot of times that let me just be honest your monday is probably not going to give you a lot of reason to rejoice it's on monday who wants to rejoice on a monday anyway it's on monday you're just wanting to get to the end of monday let's just be honest we want to get through monday but what about waking up tomorrow 
and saying, as it says in Psalm, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, as the psalmist said. God, I'm going to rejoice in you regardless of what Monday brings. If, you're wanting, if, if you want Sunday happiness on Monday, don't wait for the events of Monday to give you happiness or not. Don't wait for whatever's happening tomorrow to determine if you have a good day. Determine in your heart that you're going to rejoice in your Savior now, whether you have the best Monday you've ever had in your life or whether it's a Monday you would have never dreamed on your worst enemy. But rejoice in your Savior. Rejoice that you know the Lord as your Savior. Over in the book of Luke, chapter number 1, and we'll be there pretty soon in a couple months. My wife's very excited about Christmas. I think it's 100 days away. To me, it could be 800 days away. I don't care. Like that, I'm not that into it. The only reason I like Christmas because my oldest son Noah's birthday, so he kind of likes Christmas coming. And but you know they're all excited about Christmas, and when we think about Christmas, we think about Mary and Joseph, right? We think about the angel, we think about Gabriel coming and talking to uh, Joseph and Mary. And when you pick up Luke chapter one, the the angels already come to Mary and told her you're going to conceive, you're going to bear a child. And this child's going to be the savior of not just you, but the savior of the world. And I love Mary's response after the angel leaves. Not just while the angel's there, but after the angel leaves, you look in Luke chapter 1, verse number 46. Look what Mary does. Luke 1, 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You know what she said? What I just got told from Gabriel is a pretty difficult thing. I don't know how all this is going to work out. I know what I'm probably going to expect. I'm going to expect ridicule. I'm going to expect to be outcast. I'm going to expect a lot of heartache that's going to come from this. But she said, I'm not going to focus on the heartache. I'm going to focus on the Lord that's my Savior. And my soul is going to magnify Him. I'm going to rejoice. How can you still live for Christ when it's Tuesday and it's not Sunday? Just to go ahead and determine in your heart you're going to rejoice in Christ either way. Whether your kids have the best day in school or whether it ain't the best day in school. Whether it's the best day on your job or not the best day on your job. But determine that you will rejoice in your Savior. And part of the way you can rejoice in your Savior is this before we go on. Count your blessings tomorrow. Today we're all thankful people. We're thankful to be here. We're thankful we're breathing in and out. But probably about lunchtime tomorrow, 2 o'clock tomorrow, that thankfulness is going to be tested. And I encourage you, in the moment on a Monday, when you feel like, hmm, I encourage you to count your blessings. But I encourage you to do this with your blessings. Count your little blessings that you take for granted. Count the little things in life, like your health, what God has done in your life, your family, your friends, the things that God does, those little things, if you're like me, that I take for granted every day. I know I've said it before, it's not original with me at all, but to me it's very convicting every time I think about it with thankfulness. What if God only let you have tomorrow what you thanked him for today? What would you have? What would I have? If the only thing I had on Monday is what I thank God for on Sunday, what would I have? And we're like, oh, Brother Phil, Sunday, <laughs> I've been thanking God for everything. What if God gave you on Tuesday the only thing you thanked him for on Monday? Mondays aren't real great. But rejoice in your Savior. Number two is this. Rest in his power. 
not your own. You want and I want to live for Christ every day of the week, not just Sundays. I'm going to have to get to a place where I'm going to rest in his power. You know what that means? He's still working, and I'm going to rest, and I'm going to trust in his power, in his strength. Of course, we could look at it. You don't have to turn there. But uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 4, talking about the resurrection, and it says, When they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. It was something that could not be done by man. They knew that God or an angel or somebody had to roll that great stone away. And can I tell you something about the resurrection of Christ? The resurrection of Christ is proof that God can do anything, but it's also proof that he's not dependent upon us to do it. The resurrection does prove that he can overcome and do anything, but the resurrection is also proof that he doesn't need me to do it. Here's the thing. God doesn't need me to do anything, but it's awesome that he chooses to use me. It's awesome that he chooses to use you. It's great that God chooses you. You're going to be my witness on your job. That place that you're in right now in that family, you're going to be my witness in that. He doesn't have to use us, but he says, but I've got you right where I want you to be. Because I want to use you to be my witness wherever you're at. If you'll just rest in his power. I know I like to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Because, and I've used this as a demonstration before. I feel like sometimes if you're like me, I roll into Sundays and I smile and I wave to people and I shake hands and I'm learning to hug and all these different things that we're doing. And I got this backpack on me of everything that I've got going on in my life and probably a backpack full of fear of what's coming. And I come to church and I sit in the pew and for about an hour I take that backpack off and I set it down next to me. And I listen to a message and I worship God in song and I listen to songs. But as soon as we see or hear amen, I say, I'm going to leave that backpack right there. I'm going to leave those worries and I'm going to leave those fears there. The problem is that backpack doesn't stay there. That backpack's waiting for me when I walk out the door. And when I walk out that door, that backpack's still sitting there saying, what you going to do about this? How are you going to work this out? How's this going to work? You really don't have an answer for this, do you? You ain't in church now, so now you've got to pay attention to it. And what do we do? We walk out the doors and we find that same backpack that we left in here. And we pick it back up. And we tote that load that he says, hey, just rest in his power. Just rest in him. Allow him to take care of it. Allow him to do it. Leave it. Casting all your care upon him means leave it. I know sometimes with animals, when you try to train animals and you got something laying on the floor, you don't want them to touch it. What do you tell them? You look at the animal and say, hey, leave it. That animal wants to grab it. That animal wants to take a hold of it. And you're like, no, no, listen to me. Don't do what you want. Don't give in to your impulse. You look at the animal and say, Leave it. Why? Because you want them to listen to you. Because you're looking out for them. You know, in our lives, sometimes we don't like it when God says, leave it. That's what I want. Leave it. No, but that's, but that's what I'm used to. Leave it. But yeah, if I leave it, then I'm not in control anymore. And he says, if you'll just rest in his power and just leave it with him. Yeah, we're still going to live by faith actions, but leave it in that. Number three, we see this. How to live when it's not Sunday. Number three is this. Christ's promises are still true. Find one and hang on to it. Christ's promises are still true. Find one 
and hang on to it. If I asked you, what are the promises of God? Oh, Brother Phil, I love the promises of God. And if I asked you, what promises are you clinging to right now in this point of your life? Well, I know God's good. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. No, no. I don't ask you if you know the promises of God. What promises right now in your life are you clinging to? It doesn't do any good to walk down the grocery store aisle and see everything you need and acknowledge it's there. You've got to pick it up and you've got to put it in a cart and you've got to take it home with you for it to help you. And in our lives, a lot of times we see the promises of God. Yes, that's good. Yes, that's what we need. But we keep going by. We never take them and we never cling to them and we never hold on to them. And claim them for us. You know, the promises of God are still true. Find one in whatever it is you're facing in your life and hang on to it. You know, one of the reasons the disciples, if you think about it, when Jesus died, the disciples during the crucifixion, they were crushed. They were crushed. Why were they crushed because of the crucifixion? Because they failed to understand and hold on to the promise he already gave them. If you read the Gospels, Jesus Almost the whole time is saying that he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be killed and he's going to resurrect from the dead. And they never, when they come to take Jesus, even with the, at the Last Supper, when Jesus says the Son of Man will be betrayed and all of you will be ashamed of me this night. Remember Peter? Peter's saying, oh Lord, you're wrong. I'll die for you. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter said, I'll go with you to death. He says, Peter, you'll deny me for the cock crows three times. You know why? Because they were crushed because they didn't hold on to the promises that were given. What hope we miss when we neglect God's promises? You say, Brother Phil, I'm living my life right now and it's kind of a hopeless life. It's because you're not grabbing on to the promises that God has given to you in in this word. He's got promises for you, and those promises give hope. We won't necessarily take time to look back there, but in Luke 24, the angel says in verse 6, He is not here, but is risen. Now look at this next part. Remember how he spake unto you when he was with you in Galilee? The angel even kind of kind of gives him a little bit of one there. He said, He's not here, he's risen. risen. Don't you remember him talking to you about this? Have you ever sometimes gotten into a conversation with somebody and they're like, yeah, that's right. Don't you remember we talked about this yesterday? Don't you remember we talked about this last week? I did that not long ago. I was talking with Rachel and I said something. And she goes, yeah, remember we talked about this. And I went, oh, yeah. Why didn't I remember it? Because I wasn't focused on it. And because I wasn't focused and paying attention to it and receiving it because I was distracted. When the time came, I was like, oh, what's, what's happening? Oh, I forgot all about that. We can't claim promises that we don't know. And we definitely can't hold on to them. In our lives, in your life, find a promise of God that you need and hang on to it because they're just as true in our day as they were in the disciples' day. They're just as true. Over in the book of uh, Psalm, Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Talking about clinging to the promises of God and hanging on to them. Psalm 126. And you may be in your life, you may not be wandering away from God like we talked about today with the older brother and the prodigal son's uh, parable. You may be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You may be obeying God and trying to trust God and go forward with life in God. 
So, but you're just not seeing anything happen. And in Psalm 126, verse number 5 and 6, it says this, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And that passage right there, you know what it's saying? If you keep going and you keep trying to do what's right by your own life, and you're trying to do what's right by Christ, and you're trying to do what's right by your family, trying to do what's right on your job, it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes it may make you sow some tears, some frustration. But he says here, if you'll just keep being faithful, he says you'll come again rejoicing. You may be weeping right now, but if you continue being faithful in your witness and on your job and as a parent and as a believer, he says you shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with you. In your life right now, you may just have things and people in your life that you know what? You're just so discouraged because of where things are. Can I tell you, it may be the time of season to not be smiling. It may be the time of season that you're not happy. But it may be the time of season that you have to sow some tears. There may be the time of year and season of your life you have to invest in some tears and some heartache. But he says if you're faithful and you claim this promise that he gives you, he says if you stay faithful, you'll come back. And when you come, he says you'll come back rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with you. That God will, be, God will bless your faithfulness and he'll be with you in your faithfulness and whatever you do there. Over in the book of John, chapter number 14, Jesus again, this is the example when he's telling them, hey, I'm about to go to heaven. I'm about to go up to heaven and they're all upset. I mean, I'd be upset. I mean, you imagine being one of the 12 disciples and you saw everything Jesus has done and he tells them, now I know you're enjoying all this, but guess what? I'm about to leave. If I was a disciple, say, uh, Why? Why, everything's going good. Why not just stay here? Why not just set up your kingdom here? Why not do it now? And look in John chapter 14, verse number 26. Jesus says here, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said unto you. And look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace. That's the peace of Christ. I give unto you. Not as the world give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know what he's saying here? Jesus is saying, even though I'm leaving, I'm going to give you not just your peace, I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you a comforter. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to give you guidance in your life. And you can have my peace, and I'm going to give it to you. And do you have to understand, whatever it is you're facing in your life today, whatever it is, as a believer, if you know the Lord, as a believer, you say, Phil, I, have, I don't have any peace in my life about this going on. You don't have to have your peace, but you can have the peace of God in that situation. Don't mean you like it. Don't mean you understand it. But he said, Jesus said, if I leave, I'm going to give you peace. You can have my peace when I'm gone. And in my life, when I leave Sunday... And I go into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Can I tell you, the peace of God is tested very hard in my life. Because I'll be honest with you, it's easy, this part, not easy, but it's easier to be in this realm. 
Because I'm looking at people that have faith. I'm looking at people that aren't perfect, just like I'm not perfect. I'm looking at people that want to grow in their faith and want to have the peace of God in their life. But when we go out there, there's a lot of times there's people that we meet that don't care about peace. They don't care about faith. A lot of them don't care about God. And they're going to test our peace. They're going to really see if those promises of God we're really clinging to or whether we're doing it all in our own strength. Number four, we see this. God still uses people follow him. What can help me when it's not Sunday to live for Christ? To realize, number four, God still uses people follow him. Now, we won't take time to read all these verses, but I encourage you to look at them sometimes. When Jesus first called Peter by the, by the shore of Galilee, remember his simple message he said to him, two words, follow me. He did say, and I'll make you fishers of men. But with those two words, he looked at Peter. He looked at Peter back in Matthew 4.19. When he called Peter, he said, Peter, I want you to follow me. Do you want to know what Jesus also said to Peter after Peter denied Jesus three times? When they're sitting on the seashore and he looks at him in John chapter number 21, verse number 19. He looks at him and remember he asked him, he said, he said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he asked him three times. And remember, Peter denied him three times. And Jesus asked him three times, if you love me. After he asked him three times, lovest thou me? You know what he says in John 21, verse 19? He said, if these things be so, Peter, follow me. When he saved Peter, he said, you know what your job is, Peter, now that you're new in Christ? Follow me. You know what he said to Peter after Peter fell on his face worse than any other period of his life? He looked at Peter and says, you know what you can do now? Follow me. As long as you're breathing in and out, you know what God's desire is for your life? Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. If I follow him, guess what that means? He's in front of me. But it also means my eyes are on him. And if you're like me, a lot of times my life gets skewed on Tuesday, gets skewed on Thursday because of some attitude of somebody else or my own attitude or my own pride. You know why I get off track the other days of the week? Because I'm not following him. I'm following what I want to do. And I love how he looks at him and says, Peter, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me. And he looks at Peter after Peter fell flat on his face. He said, Peter, follow me. By the way, Awesome how this goes in Scripture. That's only a few days before Peter stands and preaches Pentecost. On a little side note, there were more people saved. There were more people saved at Pentecost after Christ left than the whole time Christ was on the earth during his earthly ministry. To me, that's fascinating. You know why? Because he wanted to see if his disciples would still follow him. Or whether with him gone, they would do their own thing. Hey, you're going to go out here in a few minutes. In a few minutes, you're going to have your schedule, you're going to have your life, you're going to have your routine, you're going to have your problems, you're going to have your whatever. Let me ask you a question. God still wants to use you, but will you follow him? When you follow him, when you don't want to follow him, will you follow him when you fall on your face? And then lastly, number five, is this. The gospel still changes lives. Keep sharing it. The gospel keeps, keeps, excuse me, the gospel still changes lives. The gospel still changes lives. Keep sharing it. 
Now you say, Brother Phil, I invited family and friends to come to church today. They didn't come. Brother Phil, I even had some family and friends and some co-workers that, you know what, I may have seen them and they told me I was going to come to church. They didn't come. So what do you do when they disappoint you? What do you do when it's Sunday and you're so excited, but when you look there and you see, man, they could use this, they could be blessed by it, God could change their lives if it just let them. Brother Phil, what do I do? Keep praying for them. At every chance you get, take that opportunity to share what Christ is doing in your life. See, here's the thing. Those people that you're close to, those people that you love, and those people you want to see come to Christ, it is all about who Jesus is, but it means a little bit more to them if you'll tell them what Jesus done for you. See, they all know Jesus is the answer, but it's really nice when you hear how Jesus was the answer in your life. How was Jesus the answer to your life in this situation? How was Jesus the answer in this situation? How was Jesus the answer going through this trial, this temptation, this tribulation? The gospel still changes lives. Jesus still changes lives. We've got to keep sharing it. I remember not long ago, um, I had somebody come up to me. They said, Brother Phil, I'm just really discouraged. I said, why is that? Maybe I can help. Hopefully I won't increase it. Maybe I can help. They said, well, I invited 10 people from work to come to church. I said, Brother Phil, you know, three of them, it was on Easter Sunday, three of them actually told me they would come. I said, and? I said, none of them came. He says, what do you do now? I said, you keep inviting them. You keep praying for them. And you follow Christ whether they ever do or not. And you just keep on and keep on and keep on going. If you're like me, I have family, I have especially extended family that I don't see much. And it's not about me. It's about Christ. I got friends. I got people I love. I got people here I know. That I know in this community. That I know just by looking at their lives, they're... They don't have that relationship with Christ, whether it's salvation or they don't have that relationship with Christ or fellowship with Christ as a believer. And it hurts me when they miss. It grieves me when, when, when they don't take advantage of the opportunity to be blessed by God. Not by me, not, not by you, no offense. But when they don't take advantage of it. And if you're not careful and I'm not careful, you know what it makes us want to do? Fine. You're your own person. Fine. But here's the problem. If we quit caring, who will? If I quit caring for that friend of mine, if I quit caring for that relative, if I quit caring over that person that has lied to me and has deceived me and has not fulfilled and has disappointed me and built up my hopes and only crushed them later, if I quit praying, encouraging and taking the opportunity, what's going to happen? They're not going to get closer to God. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep being faithful. And we've got to really believe what we say we believe, that God really can change. He can change people. You've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. There's people in our church's testimony of God with a praying mom, a praying dad, a praying friend, and how God has changed your life. Be that person to help see, one else, see someone else's life change. Don't stop being a witness just because Sunday's over. Monday rolls around, you see them. 
Say, God, thank you for the opportunity. I'm going to jump back on it again. You see him Thursday. Hey, God, thank you for the opportunity. Don't go up to him. Don't do this, okay? This is a temptation. Hey, loser, why didn't you come to church? Why do you lie to me? Hey, I've been missing you. And, and please, if you want to help me with something as a pastor, can I tell you something? If there's somebody that comes to church here, and this is home, folks, so I can just be kind of real with you for a moment. If someone comes to church that you know could be in church and they haven't been in church in a while, the last thing you need to do is say, whoa, somebody grabbed the walls. Man, this place is going to cave in now. You want to fill out a visitor card? Been forever since you've been here. They're not going to feel warm and welcome. They're going to feel ridiculed. You know what they're probably going to do? I'm not living up to their expectations. I never can live up to their expectations, so why should I try? That's what they're going to do. They're going to quit. And so we got to, don't do that. <laughs> if you can't help me, don't do that. If you see someone come in and, man, you know they could have been here a month ago, a year ago. Say, man, we're about to send the search committee out for you. All I know is in my greatest time of need when I wasn't trying to go forward for Christ, I'm so thankful for the grace that people showed me when I didn't deserve it. I'm thankful for the people that reached out to me when I didn't deserve it. I'm grateful for the people that accepted me when I wasn't acceptable. And I'm thankful for the people that didn't see me where I ought to be. They saw me where I was. But they loved me anyways. I encourage you tonight. And I say in love, the gospel still can change lives. But what it requires us to do is this. Let's take Sunday and make it every day. Sunday can be every day. It doesn't just have to be a couple hours, or if you're with me, several hours on one day a week. What do we do when it's not Sunday, and how do we live for him? Let's stand together, if you would, and we'll close in a word of prayer. And I hope you have a good week. If we can help you with any way, let us know. We'd love to be a blessing to you. But let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Will, if you don't...